being an East Londoner, I'm really excited to see what comes out of the conversations that we're having and to make sure that as many local people as physically possible can benefit from everything that's coming forward in E20. The Olympics and the legacy of the Olympics is a great opportunity to stitch back parts of London that had previously been separated by really an industrial wasteland. So it was a hugely exciting opportunity and it seems to be delivering on a lot of its promises as well. It's been an amazing transformation seeing that evolve from, you know, that very specific purpose of delivering the Olympics through to being an actual part of city that's, that's well integrated, that's actually got life and vitality and community and is a, is a genuine thriving neighbourhood. As Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park prepares to celebrate 10 years since the outstanding London 2012 Olympic and Paralympic Games, the day-to-day landscape of the park and the people that use it and live there is ever-evolving. And as a new year rolls around, the actual focus is on the future. Coming up in this episode of Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park podcast, we hear from the people whose role it is to ensure the London Legacy Development Corporation that runs the park adds value, delivers the best, keeps standards high and maintains the quality of this special part of London that means so much to so many. Hi, my name is Peter Studdard. I was chair of the quality review panel from when it was originally set up in 2012. uh, And I just stepped down from chairing the panel uh, this year. So I was chairing it for over nine years. My name is Gabrielle Appia and I am a board member at LLDC. My name is Harry Phillips. I'm co-chair of the LLDC Quality Review Panel. We'll hear specifically about the Quality Review Panel and what it does shortly. But if you've listened to earlier episodes, you'll know all about the London Legacy Development Corporation's mission to maximise the legacy of 2012 through economic and environmental regeneration in East London. But who oversees it and effectively represents you, the user or resident? That's the members of the board, led by Chair Sir Peter Hendy, and who's welcoming its newest member this new year, Gabrielle Appiah. We are accountable to the Mayor of London and um, essentially are there to help deliver the regeneration in the Olympic Park and the surrounding area and to make sure that the legacy um, is an inclusive one. It's one that um, is sustainable and brings investment to the local area. Generally, we have powers when it comes to planning, to housing, to climate change, the environment, um, and it, the social issues that come up um, across the, the regeneration of, of the park, um, things to do with transport, safety. And we look after community and making sure that um, there are equal opportunities um, across across the park. So you started of, as a youth board member. So what in that time since you joined have you seen change in the area? There has been absolutely huge change since I was a board member because I was a youth board member at 16. <laughs> um, so that was <laughs> many years ago, more, uh, 10 years ago now. We've just seen the park transform from the way it was during the Olympics itself, an excellent space for people to come and enjoy the sports and um, come together as a community to celebrate something new happening for the East End. Um, But then we've now got into the legacy phase where we're seeing the use of these Olympic um, 
kind of level venues be used by the public uh, I know so many family members that go and use the aquatic centre and swim where um, Olympic medals were won and uh, personally also go to the velodrome for, for a bike ride and it's just um, an amazing feeling uh, being part of that change as well as seeing it all happen in, as a benefit for people in the local area. Why did you join the youth board? How did that come about? That's a funny story. I wanted to be a journalist, much like yourself. I was um, at an event where the Legacy Youth um, Board were trying to recruit people, other more young people to join. And they did an interactive play about what the Olympic Park would look like if local people weren't involved. And even though I was just there to interview them about their, their experience being part of the process, I was really like drawn in by what they were te- telling us about the legacy of the park and decided to join at that point. And it's just been a really exciting journey since then. And your journey's taken you in to planning, not journalism. Exactly. <laughs> because you were on the youth board? Yes. Being part of the youth board made me just really excited about the potential that planning has to help people shape their own neighbourhoods and their lives, essentially. Um, so I went on to study town planning um, at university and that was four years, my undergrad and my master's. And the same organisation that was appointed to um, consult us, I've ended up working for them, Soundings, for the past, um, well, five years, including internships every summer. And yeah, I just I just feel like having that opportunity to shape my own area has meant that I'm really passionate and want to continue to make sure that other people have that same opportunity um, going forward. And the park is an excellent example of that. I've spoken to so many Olympians and Paralympians that say that that London 2012, the Olympic Games, the Paralympic Games changed their life. It literally did with you. It changed changed your path. Yeah, yeah, it really did. So, um, yeah, not a journalist, but definitely really, really happy and excited about what I'm doing now and what I can help communities do in their areas. And in terms of your board role at the LLDC, how crucial is it for that overall strategy about legacy, which people perceive, people know that London has done very well and perhaps better than previous Olympic and Paralympic host cities? Um, I think it's really important to have um, the board and have the LLDC being accountable to um, this board because uh, it's just about yeah like I said having the accountability making sure that we're delivering on the kind of overall vision and strategy for the park which is to be inclusive um, which is to be innovative uh, to have wider benefits beyond the park itself I think just think it's really important that the board are there and filled with um numerous members including myself that have different skill sets that we can kind of advise on the decisions going forward and um, make sure that we have the best outcome for the legacy of the park. Someone listening to this thinking oh I'd like to shape the future of my area can anyone become a board member what's the process? Well you're actually appointed by the Mayor of London there's a chair there's 16 members including leaders of um, or mayors of the four neighbouring boroughs it's all about having a range of skill set. There's, um, an, there is an appointment process involved. And what does being a non-executive board member mean? How does that work? Um, so it means that we're not actually um, employed 
directly by LLDC. Um, we are there to advise, to scrutinise, to offer a different perspective, to go to the meetings, to read the papers before the meetings and to act as a sounding board. I think it just helps to have someone from, from the outside looking in, um, give their perspective and bring wider considerations. There's also the element of just providing support for, for the ideas that are already coming forward, that are always um, really good and have great intentions, but then also debating and scrutinising anything that they think could be done better. So it's very constructive. I do think that I'm I'm really pleased that I've been appointed as the youth board representative as I'm there as the kind of voice to um, help bridge the gap between the, the actual youth board and the board itself um, and to, to make sure that young people are brought along in this decision-making process, which is absolutely huge for, for East London. And it must be a bit of a commitment for you, but do you like it and are you proud of the work you've done? Definitely. It's still early days. I've only had one meeting so far joining um, just uh, last month, but I am really excited about um, what we've been discussing so far. Um, Yeah, to just carry on the good work that LLDC has done so far. So being an East Londoner, I'm really excited to see what comes out of the conversations that we're having and um, to make sure that as many local people as physically possible can benefit from everything that's coming forward in E20. This is the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park podcast, helping in this episode to explain how the decision-making process about the future of the park is made, how policies are shaped and ultimately maintaining the highest standards for the area. The quality review panel is key to that, as former chair Peter Studdart explains. Well, the quality review panel is made up of about 30 experienced practitioners, architects, planners, landscape architects, Uh, sustainability experts, a whole range of different expertise. Um, And we're there to advise the uh, Legacy Corporation as planning authority on the quality of new developments that are coming forward within the corporation's area. Um, So we're a kind of an expert panel that is there to support the local planning authority, achieve high quality standards within new development. And why is it important that what is being built on Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park has those high standards that you are looking after? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a development of national importance. And uh, with all the public money that was spent on the Olympics, uh, I think the very good planning that went into thinking about legacy as well as the uh, actual Olympics itself, I think it's, a, it's a, an area that everyone is looking to for high-quality development to show uh, what can be done with uh, a lot of persistence, a lot of... Um, imagination from uh, the local authority and from uh, developers and from architects and so it's a sort of a showcase for the for the country as a whole I think. How did you get involved? Well my background is as an architect originally but then I went into town planning in uh, local government and I worked for a number of London boroughs Uh, but I ended up as director of planning at Cambridge at Cambridge City Council so I was involved very much with the new developments that are being built around Cambridge and so my background in local government, in design, in, I think, achieving pretty good high standards in development around Cambridge, I think, was, was the reason that I was chosen. This is a question that I put to lots of people on this podcast, but do you see the Olympic Games and Paralympic Games in 2012 not the end of a process, but very much actually the start of something? Absolutely. And I think, in a way, that's what distinguishes the London Games from other Olympic Games, um, where they didn't really think through legacy at all. And it seemed to me that 
uh, legacy was thought about right from the very beginning and was integrated very much into the planning of the games themselves, um, which is absolutely the right way to do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's using a huge amount of money, a huge amount of public focus and, and energy uh, to create something that has, is lasting, of lasting importance, not just something that lasts for a couple of months. And when you look back on your near decade as chair, what particular projects are you most proud of? Gosh, well, there's a whole lot, really. I mean, we, um, I mean, the Legacy Communities Scheme, which was the Outline Planning Commission that was, that was granted really before the Olympics. I mean, that work was all being done before the Olympics actually happened. But the Legacy Community Scheme, which, which really set the framework for all the new communities uh, within the Olympic site itself, um, I guess that became our initial focus. And so Chubham Manor was the first of those uh, new neighbourhoods uh, that came forward. And so we were very involved in, in having a dialogue with the architectural team, with the development team on that neighbourhood. And I walked around that a couple of weeks ago and it's really worked out incredibly well. I actually bumped into a couple of people who've lived, who live there, who, who send their kids to the local school, Rossbourne, who walk across the North Park and... And it's a really good quality of life. And it's quality of life, I think, which is one of the main themes of the panel, is thinking about what, what makes a place livable, uh, making it a good community, a good place to, 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 to put down roots and to, and to raise a family. And I think Trouble Manor is a very good example of that. What can you tell me then about the checks and balances, if you like, that the quality review panel put in place for these organisations, these big names like Saddlers, Worlds and others that have come and made their home and moved to the park? I see the, the review meetings very much as a kind of like a peer review, uh, a kind of creative dialogue between uh, the panel, which is normally about five or six people. So it's not that we, we never have the whole 30 members um, in any one review that would make it very unwieldy. So any one meeting would normally draw four or five people. But the meetings are very much about trying to bring out the best, I think, of the architectural team and the development team through the sort of dialogue that we have with the design team during the meetings, we can kind of bring out the issues and we can challenge them on, particularly on issues of livability. I think our livability was a very important theme uh, over the last few years. Yeah, what will this place be? You know, it's, this may be a very profitable development. It may be quite a pretty development, but actually what will it be like to live in? And think just simple things like the generosity of entrance halls, the trying to minimise the number of single aspect flats and dingy, dark corridors and the sort of things that you get in so many uh, apartment buildings, as well as just looking at the landscape and how the development contributes to the public realm. And more recently, particularly, a very important theme of sustainability and the carbon footprint of the building as well, and finding ways of, of making sure that that's brought down to a minimum. So it's just great to see how an area can be really brought into central London. I mean, Stratford was always seen a bit on the periphery. It's, I think with coming back in five, ten years' time, once those buildings are bedded down, Stratford will feel like part of central London. And I think that's what it should be. So what next? Peter Bishop and Harry Phillips have been appointed as the new co-chairs of the Quality Review Panel. Harry is an architect and formed the company Bell Phillips in 2004. I'm really excited. It's a, it's a really exciting... Uh, part of London, um, if not the UK and, and Europe as well. So it's it's a really exciting place and I'm, I'm really um, looking forward to getting my teeth stuck into it. Tell us how you got involved then. When does this relationship begin that leads to you becoming co-chair? 
So I've been involved um, with uh, quality review panels um, across London for a few years now. Um, I'm a panel member on um, Havering and Haringey, Epping Forest and various other places. How exciting is the challenge of Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park? Because there's the iconic sporting venues that we know about, we remember, we still see. There's the residential, there's business, there's education, there's culture. It's quite the quarter, isn't it? Strangely enough, back in uh, the 1990s, I was a student at University of East London and I was actually at a halls of residence in a tower block in what is now the, the Olympic Park as we know it. But the area now is, is unrecognisable. I mean, like most people, um, I saw it transformed during the 2012 Olympics or leading up to the 2012 Olympics. And, and then since then, it's taken on another evolution and transformation again from, you know, that very specific purpose of delivering the Olympics through to being, you know, an actual part of city that's, that's well integrated into its hinterland, that's actually got life and vitality and community and is a, is a genuine thriving neighbourhood. How unique a challenge is it to create part of a city within a city like London, which is already a huge, vast, bustling metropolis with lots going on, and you've had to create this whole new part of the the wider capital. Absolutely, I mean, you know, it's a vast, it's a vast site, and it's a vast challenge. And and you know, there are there are other examples within London. You know, I've mentioned Kings Cross and Elephant Park and those sorts of quarters. Um, but and and you know, to, to we've seen those evolve and grow similarly. But to take you know, what was essentially a post-industrial site, you know, to an extent, a sort of a, a, a wasteland of a site, and to develop it into a genuine place is an enormous challenge. And it's not something that is, you know, to, to create a um, that sense of community, I think, is a really challenging aspect of it. You know, anyone can build buildings, but to turn it into a place where people want to be, where people want to live, that, that integrates well into the surrounding area, um, I think that's the real challenge and, and to sort of to see a community um, embed itself there and start to grow roots and to, you know, see um, schools and public realm and all the other aspects that make a community, you know, grow and thrive. I think that's that's the real challenge. You know, build, building buildings is not the challenge. Building a community in a place is the real challenge. And as an architect, I guess the challenges for you now moving forward are perhaps different to what we had when the bid was won back in 2005, you need to make a park that's got to be the most accessible place in the country. It needs to be the most sustainable place in the country. These are, if you like, newer things on the agenda. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, it, 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 it needs to be an exemplar of what London can do and, and what the UK can do. And, and, and that means, as you say, you know, facing up to the sustainability challenge, but also making sure it's accessible, it's diverse, that it's a place for, for all people, for everyone, that people don't feel excluded um, and that it's, you know, it's, it's genuinely um, a place for, yeah, a place for all Londoners to come and enjoy and live and work. Um, and it's not in some way, um, you know, ghettoised or it's not, you know, it's not for certain sectors of society. We want we want everyone to come there and enjoy it and, and it for, to be very open um and, and, you know, for there to be great opportunities for everyone. Peter Studdart did nearly 10 years as chair and has stepped down, handed the, 
the baton on, let's say baton <laughs> in a sporting Olympic context. When you get to your end point in this role, whenever that is, what would you deem to have been success? What will you look back on and think, I will be proud of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I say, there's the big challenge for me is about, I think, integrating the different neighbourhoods on the park. It's, you know, there's still a, an extent to which it feels um, slightly fragmented and that's sort of natural because there's different places evolving and coming forwards at different stages. So um, I think there's a, there's a job to do about joining up um, the sort of different quarters and the different places and making it really connected and linked in. But also uh, really then um, not forgetting the way it meshes into the hinterland and make, making sure that it really feels like an integrated piece of city that really flows and, and um, you know, naturally connects into the rest of London, into the surrounding areas of Newham and Tower Hamlets and so on. And it, 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 it doesn't feel like a place apart. It really needs to... Um, feel like the city just flows through it very naturally. Harry Phillips. Thanks to all our guests on this edition of the podcast. 2022 will be an exciting year looking back on 2012 and everything about that sparkling sporting summer in London. But what Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park and surrounding areas looks like in another 10, 20 or 30 years is just as important as the high standards we've come to expect look to be maintained. That's what distinguishes the London Games from other Olympic Games. Legacy was thought about right from the very beginning and was integrated very much into the planning of the Games themselves. I know so many family members that go and use the aquatic centre and swim where Olympic medals were won. It's just an amazing feeling being part of that change as well as seeing it all happen. (laughs) 